listening to you talk in the space the other day about structuring out liquidity inside of a, know, like a, a circular economy uh, is really what struck me. I was like, oh, I really need to talk to this guy. We got to <laughs> dig into these structures more. Uh, I find that very interesting concept. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, it's really been driving as far as like theoretically um, and just what I've been thinking about more. Uh, and I guess conceptually is a, is a good word as well. Um, since really getting into Bitcoin is is what does a Bitcoin economy look like? And you know that's that's a very big rabbit hole, <laughs> which I'm sure a lot of Bitcoiners have experienced. You know, um, so there's a lot to discuss, a lot of implications, politically, geopolitically. Um, you know, how do you capitalize a business? Deflation versus inflation. Uh, you know, there's a, it's a really complex, uh, you know, collaboration of forces that are at play and it's an interest and it's been fun to really, you know, open up these conversations with a lot to seem to plug in and, and, you know, raise, raise a, uh, you know, something to think about, you know, um, that I have yet to think about. So it's, it's really a community sort of driven thesis and, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying this, uh, this thought experiment that I've dedicated myself to. Yeah, it really is a, a thought experiment in many ways. Um, cause we're really projecting a little bit into the future when we discuss these things, because the current paradigm isn't, isn't caught up to that yet. So, um, I find there's, the very niche group of people, even within the Bitcoin community that are interested in talking about these concepts, because, um, you know, a lot of people are stuck on number go up technology and, you know, how do we trade this off with fiat? Where does, what is it worth? I've had people argue that Bitcoin's worth nothing unless you can transfer it into fiat. There's all these different kind of arguments out there. And it's mostly from people that really don't understand what Bitcoin is. And I think that that's a 10,000 hour problem. I would say that probably most of us here on Bitcoin Twitter that are always talking about this stuff, we've probably all done our 10,000 hours or, you know, we're working on doing more. I'm a forever student personally of Bitcoin. I forever will be a forever student. Um, but <clears throat> it's, uh, it's interesting to me, these are the quality conversations, the ones that are like, how do we build on this? Because you can't eat your Bitcoin. You can't breathe your Bitcoin. You can't drink your Bitcoin. Um, it's a fundamental tool, but you need everything else. But I would argue it's actually one of the most crucial, if not the most crucial aspect. Um, in a society, um, and, you know, you need fire. Fire is the most important part. I would put it above food. Um, and, and then food would be very next on, on the list there. And Bitcoin, I would say in the same way, you, you need it above food to have structure in society, but you can't eat and drink your Bitcoin. So it's, it's all, 
it's all tied together, right? There's there's a bigger story as to what makes what makes what makes people, what makes a, a community. Yeah, I mean, I think um, uh, watching Robert Breedlove's podcast uh, with Michael Saylor, you know, what is money? Um, you know, Michael Saylor just dives right into the nuts and bolts of it, you know, and, and once I watched that, that kind of that added a new perspective, thinking about money as a network and not just like some sort of asset. So if you can think of money as a network and a network needs to move value across, you know, this network or people need to move value across this network um you know you you get to understand um just the amount of force that is um you know sort of being uh driven and uh driven and uh coordinated i guess and directed through uh the use of money and um yeah i mean it's a fundamental uh part of society i think money is tied into politics um probably mostly because it's been something that you can you can take from somebody else so the idea of um is very much political um but like you know money is money is rooted in uh to me i guess the simplest way to put it is is money is sort of what um like the the differences between cooperation and coercion, right? So I, I kind of look at money as, you know, it's a force where if it's operated in the manner that it's supposed to be operated in, um, it can be a tool for cooperation, which is very much something that's orderly and peaceful. Um, and then, you know, you could also utilize money for coercion and the properties of money uh, tend to have a governing force over people um, in which the society more progressively either grows towards cooperation or coercion because the money is more, you know, more um, tuned to bring about that, right? And so we live on a fiat standard that imparts debt. It's debasement. It's inflationary. Um, it's very much about, um, you know, consolidation of wealth. It's very much about looking at value in terms of just very specifically monetary value rather than, um, you know, real, real value. You know what I mean? Like the quality of your meat, that's real value because you can eat it and there's nutri there's nutrition there. Um, so fiat money is very much, very much in tune with coercion or cooperation. And I look at Bitcoin as like, the big obstructor in that and is very much because of its inconfiscatable ability is very much a cooperative monetary asset and will bring out a world and an economy that's very much cooperative. Um, but there's a lot of forces at play and understanding, you know, supply and demand, inflation and deflation, what prices, uh, you know, the impacts of monetary velocity, you know, there's a lot of ways that we could use Bitcoin, and I think it's really important to take into consideration and really break these down. Like, we live in the internet era. We can communicate with each other so easily and readily um, that, you know, it's like... Don't take advantage of it. We don't use it for the powerful tool that it is. We use it as this gimmicky interface, and the mundane continues. And, and we, we are oblivious to the tools we have. I, I like to think about 
if you could go back three generations and give the people the tools we have today, they probably wouldn't watch Netflix, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, for sure. Um, I think that, uh, basically what I was just saying before is that, you know, in the internet era and our ability to communicate, like it's important to sort of view, I look at it as this, like we, we were sold in, in America that we live in a, uh, a democratic capitalism is probably the same for most of the Western first world nations. Right. And I, I just, those two things don't exist. Like, like don't coexist. Let me rephrase that. Democratic capitalism is not something that ever exists. That's just socialism. Democracy exists and capitalism exists and they have to coexist. And in order Bitcoin, for Bitcoin is this new thing because now we consensus about governance Whereas before, to have consensus that's congruent across um, a larger scale of humans, like once you reach a certain group size and you go past that group size, um, the role of governance is to enforce consensus, right? So you don't actually need governance anymore to enforce consensus across large groups of people. And this is why the Byzantine generals problem is solved by Bitcoin. It's this, it's, to me, it's as influential as fire on humanity's direction where we go from here like if you look at society pre-fire society after fire fundamentally different things and it's also this thing that we can't unlearn we can't like go back and unsee it you know and, and bitcoin is such it's such as that it embodies those those elements and those characteristics um yeah it's 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 very fundamental to how we can structure now we our structures before were always based around governance over consensus and now because we can trans trans transmit that consensus beyond just our small group now we have this new ability to be able to have truly um decentralized and free people right yeah well, i mean 100 percent, totally agree with that i mean just to finish off my point about uh you know democracy and capitalism is like you know democracy is supposed to be something that actually has nothing to do with ethics um and the and the and the ability to to win over the authority to manipulate a monetary supply through some sort of democratic election um inherently uh removes capitalism from from all the money in state basically yeah. is what you're what you're referring to yeah well so once you ha once you have control over money through state, then then you have the dissolution of, of free markets. Like markets aren't operating freely. They're operating under influence and under control. So like inherently that's socialism, right? And so um, that's not really democracy. If your democratic system brings apart, brings about socialism, how is that democracy? And so, you know, you have a lot of Bitcoiners out here who, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion and whatnot who look at democracy as like some failed version of, of politics. And, and I just think that it's never really existed because we've just taken parts of it to establish socialism. And you're, using, you're using the word in a, in a sense, you're giving, you're forming a new definition in our current context. And I, on that, I can see, and I can kind of come down and see that because I'm one of those guys who democracy is, is, is a lie and democracy is, kind of no good because I've, I've always looked at it through that lens of yeah, socialism essentially. Right. And, and you're saying that there, no, there's a distinct difference 
and democracy has to do with consensus and not governance is that what you're is that what you're kind of keying in on yeah i mean democracy has to is rooted in conversation it's rooted in communication and so yes you can communicate monetary value economies you can communicate monetary value through transactions but like you know you can also communicate human value right like what are the values you wish to uphold and to fast forward the you know what the implications of democracy are when it's when it's not tied to controlling money well in, democracy is when independent states that have certain very unique and identifiable values that um, require a certain identification or a certain title, right? Like I'm Mississippi and this is Arkansas, but at least democratically we can come to consensus on certain really core belief systems that are not necessarily as specific as state values, more the values of what you wish to protect as a nation. And therefore, it's like it's it's essentially democracy in this world where it's like we want to be trade partners and we want to be military and strategic partners as well, because these are the values we wish to protect. When you look at the fiat world, you know, we have America, which is doing capitalistic trade, quote unquote, in my opinion, is socialism trade with China, who's, you know, obviously communism, you know, communistic and believes in surveillance state. And like, so now look at the, look at the conflict of values there. And so to me, that's def directly the correlation, you know, the corruptive um, result of having like a petrodollar system fiat money that's based off of debt. Whereas if like in a Bitcoin economy where nation states are, are very much dissolved as far as their ability to charge mass, you know, taxes and a huge government you know the values that that are to be upheld on an on a scale that size meaning of, of hundreds of millions of people right those values are going to be upheld yes through economic free market trade that builds relationships and understanding through people but when you find an equal force right an equal sized force hundreds of millions of people or whatever and like you want to communicate that you don't wish to do trade with them or you or even worse go to war with them or something like that then this is where sort of democracy comes so essentially again just to round it off upholding the core values that are collectively understood amongst a diverse group of smaller communities that have more unique values as well wow that's a really fucking good way to put it man um so I'm I'm Haudenosaunee, so we are uh, the Iroquois people. Many people call us that. Um, we're the, the the world's longest living uh, like active democracy, and um, that's what they've said. That's what's been said about it. I've heard that, and I've actually come against that and been like, ah, it's not really democracy. Um, and the reason why I've always said that is because. The governance system isn't exactly democracy. It's more like, uh, it's more like consensus. I've always said it's it's because there's not like a third party within the group that enforces the group's will. It's like the group itself enforces their will. So it is truly like a peer to peer society. The chief holds no authority. He holds respect. It's a different thing. 
and and um, the authority is actually held by the physically weakest members, the oldest women in our society, the clan mothers. They're the ones who hold authority. And this is because it's really the consensus of the people that is the authority. And that's kind of evident in that, in that it's not the biggest, strongest person. Who, right. It's the, probably the person that has the most insight and the most wisdom. So it's, uh, it's interesting because of what you said. And now I'm thinking about it differently. And I'm now actually almost leaning to a democracy because if you, if you understand the word democracy differently, then it, it does actually fit those definitions. Um, yeah, interesting. Do not where I expected the conversation to go. Actually, I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about the word democracy uh, when we first started this. Yeah, I mean, I'm a I'm a big believer in it. Um, you know, I believe that uh, you know human beings are on an as a as a race are on an evolutionary path towards ever more decentralization. I think democracy is a key aspect of that. But you know, if we're going to talk about definitions and you know, whatever is written in the Webster's Dictionary verbatim is not necessarily what really applies or matters to me when it comes to economics, right? Because those forces can be described um, differently than what those definitions might say. But it is it is something interesting that if you actually look up the word democracy in Webster's Dictionary, it mentions nothing about economics. And again, that's like, that's my true belief system is that you know, this idea of a democratic capitalism is just a fancy way of describing socialism. And in reality, democracy should have no, no effect whatsoever on economics, except for the ability to communicate um, values and trade, who you wish to be trade partners with, these kinds of things, right? Um, in order to uphold, uh, you know, larger values, because there's always going to be threatening forces, right? Like it's a, it's too large of a world to think that 7 billion people are going to come to consensus on every type of value. And there will be opportunities and, and driving forces that are going to, you know, raise people up in a collective manner to want to, you know, try and enforce some sort of uh, change in values over somebody else. And that'll, that will, will result is a war, right? And, you know, you could either fund that war through easy printing money like we do in fiat, in which case the values get completely obscured, right? And there's a lot of repercussions that come from that. Or, um, you know, you could raise the defense against that sort of assault, right? Um, an invasion, if you will, um, by saying like, no, we, we collectively uphold these values. And um, maybe democracy is as simple as that. Right. Um, I certainly don't think that it should be about breaking down specific laws, um, you know, with every single legal transaction occurs. I don't think things like the SEC are supposed to be a product of a democracy. You know, um, this is all just socialism, control, infection, uh, you know, trying to uh, establish just any sort of authority in your life to constantly, uh, you know, engage a, to do two things. I mean, essentially to, to retain, you know, of a, a more uh, capitulating, um, you know, group of people that you're governing over, right. They need to listen to you. And it's also just to create another reason for people to have a job so that we can have, 
you know, valueless monetary velocity. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, what do you think causes dependence inside of inside of this system? That because like socialism is all about dependence, right? That's what makes it to me socialism is that you're now dependent on this third party, this parasitic organ organism that exists within your culture. And now everything within the culture depends on that system and that organism. Um, and dependence to me is the root of all evil <laughs> in a way. Like they say money is the root of all evil, but is it money or is it dependence? Is it like render unto Caesars? What is Caesars? That kind of expression is like, um, it's, it's not value. That's the problem. It's, it's the way that we are perceiving of value. The perception is the, is the wrong thing. Today, the most valuable way, the most way, the most you can extract value, the, the best way to make money, essentially, is to enter politics and probably like know the right people in the right industries and do their bidding. And you'll make like tons and tons and tons of filthy lucre. Like look at Nancy Pelosi. She's like a perfect example of that person. And this is just kind of a perfect like poster, like a giant flash. It's like, yo, like this is clearly rigged. Like these people are not um, peers. They're a separate thing that overreaches all of, all free all freedom and true democracy. And yeah, like do you think do you think that what is that thing that causes that dependence? What is the key? Like, why is everyone so happy with that dependence? Because it, it doesn't really provide that much value, but but most people are very comfortable in that zone. It seems that way anyway. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of angles you could die. But, I mean, I, I try and simplify all down, all of these types of implications down to, you know, the simplest, like, 50, you know, binary way of thinking, even though it's not binary. Um, it's not binary though, because there's spectrums, right? And so the binary breakdown for this is how do people measure risk versus reward? Um, and so when you talk about dependence on this current system, like, first off, what do, what do people really want? Right. And what people want is the reward and what are people willing to do for it is, is the risk, right? So if um if you have a an economic system right you are participating in a value and the value that's being created in this network which is the economy um is very much real value right like it's the ability to eat food and sustain your life it's the ability to like move about and experience the earth right um, it's the ability to house yourself. Um, there, there's real value where money is just the ability is just one tool used to get to that value. Right. And that's the monetary value. And I think the dependence that we have and we were here is, I mean, just look at the evolutionary path of like, you know, risk versus reward. Like what were the threats going back to like Europe and, and, you know, 1200 AD Europe in the medieval times, you know, threats were just warring, warring nations would come through and like slaughter just people trying to like farm and stuff like that so that they can plunder and, and, you know, rape women and, and, and kill people and enslave men. And, 
and like so like and that story has been written like across the world right to a certain extent and you know so you, your dependence is very much well like i don't want to be killed <laughs> right like so your dependence on the monarchy for protection and and defense you know because they're this you know establishment they're the they're the authority that has the ability through money and through you know coercion of um, it's kind of like a network effect on the network effect on the network effect going all the way back throughout time and people as as the underclass have never been able to get ahead of that and so finally bitcoin breaks that network effect to network effect to network effect and now we can actually you know transfer that wealth out of those systems this is like part of its revolutionary ability right yeah i mean look i mean bitcoin for an extended period of time they, they're learning quickly about like how to be minimalist um you know survivors if you will live a minimal and they so essentially they're they're saying i do not want to benefit as much from the real economy in sort of you know we, we you could dissect what they're benefiting from further down but simplest terms they're not benefiting from because they're reducing their requirement and need for the economy in order. Um, and so that's what it takes. Uh, you have to repel real economic value in order to cooperate, or in, in order to not cooperate in the uh, current economy, in the current legacy fiat system, right? So, like, if, again, to answer the question about dependence, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the power of money. This is the power of economies, right? Like, if you don't participate, if you don't earn something from yourself, then very quickly you find out what the repercussions are of that. And so, you know, for anybody who's who's trying to get on zero when it comes to, you know, not having fiat money involved in their life, you know, that's a huge revolutionary type of decision that you have to make currently. And your implications are I'm selling off a lot of the value that I'll gain now for the long term. So why are people dependent now? I mean, not everybody's a revolutionary. Other people find purpose elsewhere. People find purpose just being a great mother or a great father, right? And like and family and like just wanting to enjoy that. Um, other people find purpose in building enterprises and having a huge influence on the world from like a product goods and service offering right like so other people so people have their purposes but and, and like you know the greater implication of that is that money is supposed to be so simple that it doesn't have to be a revolution to use it right like like when when the world uses a consensus standard a consensus pricing standard then money is supposed to be something that you really don't have to think about. It should be all the information is communicated very clearly through a price. A price. The selling is important because it takes it out of people's hands and it's like almost puts it in, in God's hands, literally, right? Like that's why gold works so well for, throughout history was because the inability to just dramatically inflate the supply, the ability to verify it outside of any like third party source. And I mean, it was divisible and transportable, but those are there. It's not the greatest at those things. Yeah. I mean, 100%. So like, you know, like, um, in order to, in order to break this dependence, it's really just a matter of breaking 
the it's it's i mean in my opinion it's it's going to be the natural effect right like money always is arises naturally from the market it's not something that's really decided upon on what's going to be money outside of you know fake money which is dollars and fiat currency so it naturally arises from the market because it has all the attributes of being the best the best uh asset to be money and so you know bitcoin wins for all the properties we know very clearly it's it's scarcity it's divisibility it moves at the speed of light it's verifiable without requiring melting down massive amounts of metal um and it's completely decentralized you know nobody can really quote unquote tax you right um so all of these things is why bitcoin's going to win and then what's going to be the dependence factor, right? Like, is, is, are people really going to be dependent? Or is that just something that naturally arises from a fiat economy? Is this, this being provided is going to create dependence? I mean, if you look at somebody who's a drug addict, right? Um, they always talk about having codependence. You know, parents that give them money to try and help them but in reality, that's just making life easier for them. Even if they're not spending it on drugs, it's making life easier for them so that they can cope with their habit. And so they become even more dependent. Whereas like in a Bitcoin economy, you know, take the drug addict example and how quickly that will become incredibly destructive for, uh, you know, for a parent, right? To like be a codependent. Um, and I mean, like, it, it's just going to be harder to come across that money. And, and even not in that more tangible sense, like from a society uh, sense, you know, it's proof of work. Like you have to, you have to continue to build, you have to prove yourself to earn something. So, um, you know, <laughs> like you automatically break the dependence because you're, you're installing a system that, that naturally breeds self-sovereignty like more and more so and like again proof of work like you have to provide value yeah it's all installing the value exactly and and that's the great measure value um and and i've heard talk about recently in spaces people saying like oh bitcoin isn't private and you need to have private seed and all this stuff it's like well bitcoin is actually extremely private because there's technically no identity attached to it. If your identity is attached to it, that means that you're you're using it on fiat rails somehow, and that's the weakness. It's not Bitcoin itself, because that open ledger is the most important part. That's, that's what solves the problem. Without the open ledger, you're not solving the problem. You're just you're just redistributing it, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how do you? I mean, if you want money that moves on, there's no way to do it without having it be a ledger. I mean, ultimately, that's what it is. Could you redesign the structure of TXO and how you need previous inputs to be outputs? I would say, I mean, maybe it's possible, but I would feel like that's like, you know, it's not my expertise, but like cryptographically, I'm sure that's a that would be some sort of vulnerability. Um, but all money is a ledger. You know, like gold was a ledger itself. It's just, it wasn't written down anywhere. And if it was, then it was for internal 
but I mean, that's how money works. It's a network. So it is a distributed ledger of sorts, right? It's just like, what's more important is the verifiability of that ledger, right? Like, so um, the fact that, you know, you have in, a, in central banking, you have one node, you have the central bank that verifies all of it, essentially, right? And so in reality, like, again, like, that's just how I look at money now. And, and its trustworthiness is based off of the amount of verifying nodes on that network. And, um, you know, gold, gold, the only thing to verify was, like, if you had it. So it's sort of distributed, and that's valuable. Um, but then also, you know, it's confiscatable. I, I'm, <laughs> Bitcoin, Bitcoin is is I, I I'm like super excited in, about the revolution, you know, like the the transition that's going to occur because of this particular asset. Um, I'm really excited about how it's going to empower local to be self-sovereign and then individuals in those communities to all be self-sovereign and moving forward the incentive to generate your own electricity to you know get involved in bitcoin mining the incentive currently to get non-kyc bitcoin um through mining uh is sort of showing itself blatantly uh as we move through recent events um, I mean, it's, it's part of the thing. Like, you can't use Bitcoin without that. Like, it, 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 it's not just money. It's like, what do you use money for? The parts that you use the money for and where the money comes from all has to be combined, right, bro? It's like, like you're like, people need to be more aware of, of mining. And it's like, well, it's like almost like they need to know that it's not even the thing without it. It's like, that's why we even have that weird conversation of like, proof of stake is the future. And proof of work is bad for the environment. It's like they, they missed what the thing was completely. It's like totally just lost on the masses, right? Yeah, I mean, I look, a lot of people are going to be getting a wake-up call, right? And this is part of living in the first. Um, I said this the other day, you know, that uh, when you live in the first world, you probably experienced, or at least the majority of people living today haven't experienced a complete destruction of the value of the purchasing power of their life savings. If anything, they've experienced a deflationary collapse uh, where economies stop, stop working, but the value of their money climbs and the purchasing power of their money climbs, right? Um, and like when, when, you, when I explain Bitcoin, you know, someone who's came from, you know, like a, a country like Haiti or somewhere else, like from South America or someone from Venezuela, they're like, oh yeah, your currency could be dead tomorrow and then everything you worked for is gone. So like, why would you store your value in this thing? And it's just, it's, it's amazing how, how much of a split there is from being able to understand these concepts. But, um, you know, as far as privacy goes, using Bitcoin privately, like I think there's two main reasons. I mean, to be honest, the only real main reason there's still there's still a level of enforcement that I mean obviously that governments are nation states are still you know volatile uh, vi viable entities that are capable of you know coming crashing down on you especially in the United States and like 
you know, Western first world nations. Like they have the power and the, and, and the liquidity to be able to fund enforcement. So if you, know, just like we saw with the Canadian truckers, if you raise money in a way for, in, for something that they do not want you raising money for, then they're going to utilize whatever sort of surveillance capabilities they have. Like in, at the beginning of it, that money was still in the in their system. That was still their debt based value, and that's 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 the weird part about Bitcoin is like people aren't aware of that it's a paradigm shift. Well, now this money isn't just debt based money that you transfer into Bitcoin. It's money that comes from the system itself. It's a positive. It's in the black to begin with. It's not, you know, based on someone else's promise to pay it. Yeah, well, I mean, my point was more about you know KYC coin. And, and how like, you know, so like all my coin is KY, you know, I took it off an exchange. They knew who, they know who has it and I have no intention of really moving it. But if I do move it, they're going to know I moved it. And then is the IRS already established enough to be like, oh, here's your capital gains, you know, tax bill. Or do I have to claim that private, you know, personally, I'm not, a, I don't know these details yet. And I'm sure a lot of things are changing on the fly since it's such a new sort of, um, How does it work well, in the states? So, like, can they tax you on that even if you don't sell it? Like, it just grows in value and you owe tax on that? No. So, right now, that's just capital gains. And the only time you pay tax on capital gains is when you sell it. So, they can't tax you on that. And if they try to, that would not go very well. Um, if you ever converted to fiat, then it's never taxable. Same as, same as most Western. Yeah. Well, exactly. You know, so then, like, okay, fine. If you never spend it, then it's not taxable. But what if you want to spend it because you're a community and as a community, you want to have a circular economy so that you could run on Bitcoin, protecting yourself from any kind of, you know, you know, complete destruction of the U.S. dollar, which I I am 100 percent like in my in my opinion, it's happening very soon when dollars are going to absolute shit. There's going to be a complete default on this current economic system. They're going to try and install something else. The majority of the world will independently choose Bitcoin and people are going to be stuck thinking about like, oh, I don't have any Bitcoin in this local community and now my dollars are worthless. How do I get Bitcoin? You know what I mean? Like there's going to be some major serious geopolitical implications. And, you know, part of, you know, my thesis and what I've, what I'm hoping to do in the next coming year and two is to live out of the van so that I can like, part of this is not only to experience that life and live a Bitcoin or should, but I want to go to these small towns and see if like, Hey, let's see if we can find an energy source where we can like maybe generate a Bitcoin locally. And even on just one Bitcoin, like if you're a circular economy that's self-sustainable, um, then like it won't, you know, you could, you could power a local economy on any amount of Bitcoin. It really just wouldn't it all into lightning and just hold that liquidity and lightning. The rest of the world doesn't even have to know what the fuck goes on. And then when you do settle exactly. on, on chain with like, you know, taproot and then to them, it's like meaningless. It's just numbers on the chain. They don't even know what the fuck's going on. But then, so now this conversation really play because it's also while we're talking about microeconomics and like small communities it's still a macro um it's still an equation if you will or be applied in the macro sense and essentially you know 
let's take this small town of a thousand residents. They're probably getting the majority of goods and stuff from either a Walmart that's like 50 or 100 miles away or a small general store nearby, right? And they probably all work like at like some factory somewhere and like maybe there's the you know one or two bars in town um you know like there's not a lot going on they don't need a lot of money to power this sort of unproductive very much residential village but like if all of a sudden it's like you know uh yeah we want we want our independence we don't want to be subject to you know debasement and we want to protect we want this city to grow a little bit more and we want some productivity it's like, all right, well, step one, let's find your energy source, right? Like, is there a river flowing through town? Um, how big is that river? How much electrical power can you generate from, like, hydraulic power off of that river, right? Like, um, is, is solar and wind an option? Is, is there some sort of, like, small version of nuclear power that's within reach? Like, probably not. Like, what are the sources of energy? Can you, can you, generate this energy now consistently and self-sustainably can you power a bitcoin mine generating bitcoin essentially for the community like maybe the bitcoin mine is like it's on gasification though because gasification is something that's literally everywhere and there's combustion engines everywhere and there's metal fabrication and like mechanical and all that all those skills are also everywhere and very decentralized and that's all you need to make um, any form of biomass combustible. And then when you have the combustion, you have the energy. And you can literally run like 45 kilowatts out of like a Ford 300 engine. And like that just burns on wood. And like wood's everywhere. And if you don't have wood, you have waste. Every community has food waste. You can take that food waste and you can easily transfer the biomass and the nitrogen inside of the food waste into, you know, pellets that you grow with something like a Zola or something that doubles its biomass every 48 hours. So you, you put that nitrogen to work with very fast growing biomass and then you dry that biomass and then you burn it in a low oxygen environment that, that produces syngas and then you, you have a combustion engine um, creating electricity with that syngas. That's the, um, the simplest way basically to create energy everywhere with very low tech. Ah, I love it. And so like, great, let's do that. Right. (laughs) Like, like set that up in this small town, you know, they're generating non KYC Bitcoin. You're distributing this non KYC Bitcoin into the, in the, you know, hands of the residents on chain. They all set up a, a, a lightning node and understand how. And now the question becomes, like, what are the goods and services that are really, really important and have the most need? Like, obviously, agriculture and food, right? So, like, you need to establish a local farm. That's where you start. And you, you know, you'll probably have different types of farms and you'll probably need, like, you know, local, local meat sources and all of that, right? And then from there, you're going to need to have, like, slaughterhouses and, you're going to need to have like butchers and like local shops that are selling all of this food. Right. Um, probably right off the bat, people are wanting, going to want to get their haircut. You're going to need local barbers. You're going to need, um, you know, people are probably going to start making, you know, maybe you could 
get somebody who wants to be a clothing designer to set up shop and start making some clothes locally. You know, um, you're going to need water work and materials and then host it all in a local marketplace that people from outside your community can actually buy from you using Bitcoin. And then you can like start to trade with other people that aren't even in their own communities yet, but then they can become in their own communities as they see that that model works so well. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're one step ahead of it right now. Like, so the way I look at it is this is like, you know, you have all of these things that are needed, including like police departments and other things, because again, this is normally provided through taxes. And so if you're not going to have taxes, you're not going to have police departments. Maybe there will be taxes or maybe you privatize police departments. I mean, I would think in like a village of a thousand people, you'll probably just do it through taxes. And since it's like a very close knit sort of scenario, right. Um, or community, like, but like you have all of these things that now you have all of these businesses that need to be capitalized. Like sure. They might exist already, but like, do the, do people just, own it and that's it you pay for everything in bitcoin and then they'll they'll keep all the bitcoin and now you need employees right who need to then work for you and make money uh denominated in bitcoin in order to keep moving the bitcoin through the economy or do you look at it this way and let's say you're kind of quote unquote starting from scratch right like all of your all of your businesses need seed capital they need to they need to raise money in order to like their business. You know, ultimately you want them to be able to buy a property, right? Instead of renting or leasing a property. So there's real estate involved. There's going to be equipment and tools and yada, yada, yada. Right? So if you need seed capital, the way that you would capitalize a business in the legacy model is you go to a bank, you get a loan. And if you can't do that, then you find a bunch of people who have a bunch of money and you get investors. And you usually have a very limited number of investors or one bank, right? And so um, you know, this model is very much consolidated, right? Like the money that flows through the business now moves in a consolidated manner to a select few hands. Whereas in the model that I think is very important to capital, again, I'm now, now I'm jumping ahead of myself. So what's important to understand in this particular model is that um, we're talking about a transitional period to Bitcoin and why this model won't work in this period. And the reason, the reason why it won't work is because Bitcoin is only going to be growing in value, which means prices are going to go down drastically. And it means that people who are making their money previously on an established pricing standard, which is now dead, their business is essentially not doing business unless it's making money on the new pricing standard. And we're talking about an incredibly deflationary period in time where Bitcoin is going to be skyrocketing in purchasing power. So people are going to hoard that coin. And yes, they will hoard it. The only thing they won't hoard it for is like necessities, like food and stuff like that. So they're going to be holding on to their Bitcoin. Productivity is going to go crashing down. Businesses will close because there's no... Why do you want to uphold the cost of running a business when you're not generating income? So on a macro scale, you have a bunch of people who are living in you know towns all over the world who are just holding on to a ton of Bitcoin that not worth shit in the marketplace because there's nothing to buy with it in the marketplace. So yes, at some point in time, does it deflate to a point where, no, let's look at what are the implications of people's willingness to spend, 
Okay. Well, basically, you have an entire money supply that pays for an entire economy. You can break that down on a global scale, or you can break that down into like local into a local community, right? If all of a sudden you see that people are willing to charge because they're open for business, you know, X number of Satoshis for a specific product, good, or service, then you can start to do the uh, financial accounting in your head of how much coin do I have? How much coin is coming to me over the next 12 months? And how much coin do I owe over the next 12 months? And then say to myself, okay, I have enough coin to be able to pay for that particular product, good, or service. And so what you're basically saying is, is once you have prices that are there, you can then discover whether or not there's enough money to provide liquidity in the economy that gets people comfortable spending their money, right? And in order to do this in this, in this scenario where deflation is extremely high and productivity is collapsing, well, if the value of your coin is climbing rapidly, then that means that any interest rates on loans is going to be very, very high as well. And why is that? Well, it's incredibly more risky to give away my coin to somebody else in an economy that's diving in productivity and the value of that coin that I'm lending away now is only going to climb at a rapid rate in the short period. And I'm not really sure when it's going to stop. So until that point when it stops and prices start to stabilize and people can start doing the accounting and make economic decisions accurately, then interest rates are going to be incredibly high. And then if you look at it from the borrower's perspective, I'm taking coin at a high interest rate that is only going to be growing in value as I have to pay back this loan. So I'm going to be paying back coin that is harder to acquire in the future. And I have to pay back more of it than I'm borrowing right now. The risk is not worth it. And so there'll only be a select number of whales and you know early adopters who have enough abundance of money which is the factor that that lowers your interest rates if i have money to lose then it's less of a risk for me to lose it that pulls the interest rates down and they will be the only ones capable of of lending out a somewhat reasonable interest rate on bitcoin and what this is going to do is basically just reestablish the need for banks and these people will be banks. And look, you know, when banks compete in a free market economy where they're not being bailed out by a government, you're going to get banks that succeed and banks that fail. And, you know, if I lend my money away to fucking shitty businesses that can't pay me back, then I deserve to fail. And great but you're introducing debt into the economy. And if this happens at scale because we're so comfortable with debt today because of fiat, then I think that's going to impart too much of the short-term debt cycle that leads into potentially a long-term debt cycle. And it's just volatility that could be completely erased. Here's the other aspect of it. When you consolidate investors, when you consolidate people who are gaining from the profits of a business and you make it a few number of people instead of the masses of people, because we have numerous investors and 
businesses, if you have those masses of people earning off of small pieces of equity of local businesses elsewhere, then you are generating income without the need for labor. And this now frees up politically the idea of innovation and automation replacing jobs, which is a huge challenge for people to accept. If, the, if my income is predicated on my job, I don't want to lose my job to innovation. But if my income is predicated on the profitability of a business, then I want that business to cut labor, innovate, automate, and lower the costs of the business so I can generate more profit, which also means I can cut prices down and offer products at lower costs. Like we're all Bitcoiners. We believe in that in the latter model where, you know, we have people who are gaining off of the profits. We want business owners everywhere. That's like my thesis of everything. And so the idea of like a stock market is a fiat construct. No, I mean, the stock market is a brilliant, brilliant undertaking. It's just been corrupted by shitty money. And so if we had local businesses that were divided into a billion shares and I could go spend, you know, 500 sats at a main street stock exchange for some new business that wants to bring a new good or service to our local community. And then all of a sudden, 800, 900 other people believe they want that good or service in their local community. They come together and start buying up these shares. And now all of a sudden, you have a new business owner who's capitalized and can then go ahead and, you know, start their business. How do you distribute the, how do you allocate capital? Like, this is a really cool concept, but how do you, you, can you enforce all this with like smart? Would that be a good way to do that and just bypass paperwork entirely? I mean, that's what I would be hoping for. You know, and the reason why is because if you do that, then you don't need to have the police involved. You don't need to have government involved. And it's something you can implement. You buy a lightning contract. That's crazy. Yeah. Like if you have non-KYC Bitcoin, move it onto a lightning node. and And then all of a sudden in these small towns, it's just through some sort of smart contractual agreement based off of the amount of shares you bought, right? But with your percentage off this no profit, like that's literally as simple as it is. What was that? It's like, what is your percentage? Like, what is your your stake in this node? So how much profit are you going to get from the node when this node makes profit? That's, that's essentially what it is. People invest in, they invest liquidity into a node and then depending on how much liquidity they invest into that node, allocates the percentage of profit they're entitled to from that node as well. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, I mean, it's bonkers to think about how this could work. And like, it sh- I, I don't even think it would be that challenging, you know? And then you think about it, it was like, well, you don't want people to find you on the internet. Well, it's like, if it's, an, if it's just a, if, if it's just a decentralized network that's built on lightning in a sense, well, in reality, you're not really trying to build like the next big inter, you know, multinational conglomerate corporation or whatever um, on this particular network. Like that's not what you're doing. Like this is for local communities. So it's something that you could like, you know, as long as lo- local communities start to understand um, that this exists, uh, you know, essentially you need an evangelist t- 
possibly living out of a van like yours truly um, to just roll up into the roll up into your town and say, hey, this is how this could work. This is how this could work. Explain the economics, spend some time with them. And if people actually buy into this, you know, think about that every time. This, it, is, this is crazy, bro, because you can have inability and the independence and like the stability of a local closed loop economy. But then because it's on Bitcoin and you can just literally like post all this shit for sale on the internet, you can actually sell all your goods and services to the entire world and fund your community from outside as well. And then like, how do you get your goods and services from your community to the rest of the world? Well, now you have decentralized couriers, you have all this other shit that just kind of gets built up on top of this because everyone now has skin in the game and everyone can contribute. Exactly. Like it's really to everybody's favor that people all have an income. Like it's just like we think about wealth in how much money do you have? In reality, when people say, oh, Elon Musk is worth, you know, uh, you know, $200 billion, there, it's really physical assets. And it's like very little of that is cash because he's smart. Like you don't really want to be holding cash on hand in inflation, right? Like you want to be holding assets that climb in value. But in this particular economy, like that I'm kind of discussing here, the circular economy where capitalization is driven through diversified equity, like you're still rewarding the operators and innovators of the game, right? Like, so the, the people who are operating businesses and taking on more risk because let's say they probably saved up their own Bitcoin and are risking this investment, um, you know, like they're still being rewarded, like they're going to they're going to end up gaining more than the majority of people. So you're still going to have like a social hierarchy. It's not like communistic at all. Like it's just going to be wealth balancing. And the other thing about how you would measure wealth is like, not what's the value of your assets when you sell them all at the same time, but rather you'll just be looking at wealth as like how much money is flowing through you rather than how much are you holding? Right. Like, so if you're circulating Bitcoin at a rapid, rapid, rapid rate, like you're a rich man, right. Or woman, whatever, like that's uh, what, what's the, what's that, what, how much of that liquidity is growing that you're distributing? Like how much liquidity can you distribute? That's your, that's your measure of wealth. Yeah. Like income related, like what, whatever it is, it's just focused on the idea that money is in value when it's moving. Um, and while we all want to have our savings charity measure, and we should, you know, ultimately productivity is tied to the moving of money. If you don't move money, you don't get productivity, right? So if we're going to be a, a, a world with 7 billion people and we all want to have, you know, three kids, you know, you do the math, <laughs> right? Like we're going to need to continue to produce, which means we need an economy that incentivizes monetary velocity. And the best way to do that is to say, hey, when this business makes a profit, distribute that profit in, a, in an understood and agreed upon manner to thousands of people that live around you. And, you know, so now look at it, right? Like, so you, you talked about drawing in income from selling shit to other places. Well, other places are going to want to be self-sustainable. They're going to want to take a trade negative with you. Right, like they're gonna want something unique to offer. Though this is the why you want to be able to have an open network with the rest of the world is because you have things that they don't have, and they have things that you don't have. 
well, think about it from a residency standpoint and a tourism standpoint, right? So like now you've got, if you're an economy that's generating a high monetary, well, um, you're generating productivity, which is stretching the local money thinner, but it's also circulating faster. So that's, that's both deflation and inflation, right? Like the supply side of money is understood. The demand side of money is economic productivity and some sort of equation with monetary velocity. Like if you have high economic productivity and low monetary velocity, then that means you're in a high period of deflation and you'll probably see businesses close and then therefore you'll see productivity drop. If you're in a period of high monetary velocity and low productivity, you're probably overspending on things. You'll either see other, you'll see up because there's a real opportunity to produce you know, at a competing price with what's in existence. And so they find their balance, right? So um, it's really, 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 really interesting to think about. Now it's just a matter of how do we, how do we decide to like run the capitalization of our, of our loc locale in a way that um, is most sustainable for ever-growing productivity? And so if you do have this situation where in this town of a thousand people, everybody owns everything, then you'll get to a point where now people are going to be like, oh, better than that business. And everybody's got income that's coming in, right? And so like maybe they decide, well, I'm going to sell out of this particular business because I'm, I want to invest in the competitor who I think is going to be doing. Now, all of a sudden, you have speculation that enters into the value proposition. Well, if, I, if you even look like you're doing a sh offering a shittier product, like your business is going to suffer because it's equitable value of its shares are going to go down. Right. Um, you're not going to have the ability to sell off more equity if you want to try and compete. Um, and you'll probably end up closing your business in order to cut your losses. Right. So like creative destruction still exists. You know, think about it from the real estate standpoint. Right. So like now you have Bitcoin that's climbing in value. Are you really going to want to take a 30 year term on your loan to go buy a house? right? Um, prices of housing will go down. They have to. The value of your Bitcoin is going to be climbing. Now, well, yeah, but the, if you're running this like really high monetary velocity, high productivity economy, then you're drawing in people who want to who purchase land and purchase properties. True. But you're also increasing the number of people that live there. And so you're also going to have to build the properties, right? Um, do people take a 30-year loan? Maybe they take a 10-year Who are they taking that loan from? You know, you're already in a, you're in a city that's doing pretty darn good without a bank. Um, so how do, you, how do you end up getting, raising your income or raising your money so that you can get that, that house? Well, maybe, you know, it's all about just reinvesting in new productivity, right? I want to get more businesses that I own. I want to have more equity and better producing businesses that are generating profits and generating me a cash flow. And then over time, once I feel like I have enough, I can just, you know what, instead of investing, I'll just save frugally. Then all of a sudden, I'll probably, instead of raising 10 to which you need currently in this fiat world to get a house, maybe you raise up to like 40 to 50% of the total value of the property. 
But again, who are you borrowing the rest of the 50% from? It's not about borrowing. It's about people have stake in things. This is totally going to change everything, bro. This changes like crowdfunding. This, cha- this changes startup yeah. funding. This changes investing. This, this is literally a fundamental shift in how yeah. uh, so your infrastructure is even built, let alone used. So, so you're probably going to find that the land that isn't already built is the cheapest. You'll probably go there. Um, you'll, you'll hire an architect, right? And the architect will have capitalized his business through equity. It'll probably be a social shift in thinking. So like, if you know, there's an architect who's completely self-owned and has no, no other people have equity, you'll probably say, nope, you're too selfish for me. I'm going to go use the architect who I know has you know, a thir- 30% of their stake is owned by, you know, the rest of the community. It'll probably get to that point where you'll be shamed for not participating in business to this extent, right? And you won't really be welcome. And people will boycott you right out of existence, right? So like, you'll be forced to have to like, to capitalize your business in this particular structure. And when, when you do that, right, like, all right, so now I go and hire the architect. Whatever I paid the architect, some of that money is going into the rest of the economy. If I were to take a loan from a bank, any money that I pay back to the bank is being taken out of the economy, right? So like, then I have to go get a contractor to build my house. Well, that contractor, you know, uh, is uh, also going to have um, some of its ownership staked to you know the rest of the community there'll be a thousand you know a thousand residents that own five percent of this contractor but like oh well maybe you don't have enough money to pay for the whole house because i'm doing my math and it's really costly to build a house all right fine give me the 50 percent, and i'll loan you the house and then like over the next five years because i like your portfolio of businesses and the income you've been generating from them, then I can loan you this house and you could pay me back the rest of the Bitcoin with like maybe a little bit of interest. And, uh, you know, it'll be front weighted because the uh, expectation is that Bitcoin is going to be more valuable and harder to come by in the future. So then over the next five years, you pay off your house and then you own a property. Right. And like, so the money you paid to the contractor now is, is profit for the contractor to continue to build more, more houses, increases productivity. They also now have properties that are paying them monthly amortization, which is now productivity. Um, you know, and- what's weird, bro, is you're not actually fundamentally shifting because in the current fiat economy and the fiat standard, it, we talk about it being like high time preference, but in a way, if you're actually lot of equity in the fiat world you're very very low time preference because most of your capital is illiquid so you're actually you're waiting for all these dividends in the long run so to to get people to see this isn't actually that large of a of a, of a mental gap right like we we talk about it always the opposite way in bitcoin but it's it for certain people this is a easier, easier thing to understand once you put way and you're like look it's just capital you invest but then you actually see the dividend out of it directly there's no you're not trusting the system to pay you back interest 
Yeah, it's not about, you know, even more so than that. It's not about buying something that climbs in value and selling it later. Like the ho- the whole idea of a stock, an equity instrument that doesn't pay you a dividend is like such a fiat thing, right? Like that's worthless to me. And, and um, I don't see something like that existing, hopefully, because, you know, again, you want to generate a cash flow. You want people to make their money through equity so that businesses don't have to take any kind of suffering repercussions from people demanding higher wages. They can automate, they can become more productive, and then they can bring more goods and services to the market at lower prices, making the value of your purchasing power climb. Like that's a, that is a game that is worth so much to everybody. Like the community wealth side of that just skyrockets. And then like, yeah, there'll be businesses that, that aim higher. There'll be, there'll be tech businesses that want to like sell their services to the rest of the world. And, and maybe you'll invest in those and, and whatnot, but you're certainly not going to do it with the idea that you're going to resell it, you know, that, that stock, you know, at a later date for a higher price, because <laughs> you're talking about the purchasing power of, of Bitcoin, where if you have a, if you have communities all over the world that operate on this particular model, where they're circulating Bitcoin through, through diversified equity, I mean, my God, the level of productivity that will come out of that will just drastically jack up the purchasing value of Bitcoin. And to get that return on investment by buying a stock now and selling it later will be incredibly hard. I mean, to do that with real estate will be incredibly hard. Like, you want everything. You want everything to go down in value versus your coin. That's that's the goal. That's the goal of of this money of of this particular model. Like you you want everything to be more affordable later. And so when you look at at equitable instruments, a share of stock, it should its value should not be its resale value. It should be does it give you cash flow? Does it give you new Bitcoin? Like that's the only thing that should matter. And then monetary velocity will just absolutely take us to the stars. Monetary velocity in a deflation. Absolutely beautiful, man. That is a freaking crazy infrastructure um, that you've just articulated there. This is going to be a good episode. I'm looking forward to uh, re-listening to this several thousand times. Yeah, man. I think we should maybe bring some people up and like join the conversation if you're ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Michael uh, Michael is in there, and uh, there's a few others I'd like to get their input on. So anybody who wants to join in, join in. What's up, Michael? Hey, what's up, guys? Sorry, what, uh, I wasn't really listening. What's going on? Um, a lot's going on. Uh, we're kind of revisiting the conversation. Yeah, so, um, okay. talking about- uh, yeah, I was just, Go I stepped it. away from the phone for a second, but I, I was listening to, to the beginning part of it. Um, yeah, so you were saying, what I caught was that you were talking about the more economic activity that's done on Bitcoin, primarily on Bitcoin, uh, that's just going to have a natural consequence of raising, like, <clears throat> raising the price, right? Because you have all this economic activity now done on the rails of bitcoin and um that's what i caught and that's what i found interesting so i don't know if, if you want to lead me into anything else but i think yeah i, mean, I think yeah. what you laid out yesterday i mean that was a 
that was great, dude. I'm I'm like super impressed that you like you gained this understanding of you know a Bitcoin economy so fast from going from uh like again from like that liberal position that you were in, um, and outlaying this like a, a future in which we're th- well, we're gonna redefine democracy today in this episode, like legitimately. What's that? We were having a redefine democracy. Yeah. We were having a conversation earlier, seeing that, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners, and I don't blame them, you know, talk about democracy as, as a form of government that is really a sham and is not a pristine form of government. You know, I, I basically said the idea of a democratic capitalism is like a non sequitur, if you will, or just an oxymoron, um, where, where there really is no such thing that exists. Um, a democratic capitalism is really a fancy way of, of just calling something, so, you know, of what a socialism really is. And um, yeah, so democracy, in regards yeah. in regards to that, I mean, like these are words, and a lot of these words have lost meaning, like we because just because we don't, there's not a consensus on their definition, and even the frameworks in which people like um, apply these words in their minds, they're all kind of shaky, right? And uh, but the idea of democracy being just like you know, the people's will or a community's will being expressed um, in society, I think is a, you know, is, is something that we want, right? Like, it's like, if we're not expressing, like our, our individual, like desires in society, then we're living under, you know, we're living under a different system, right? Where it's kind of like being dictated to, to us. So, like, I understand, like, there's multiple ways to think of democracy and that's that's how i like to think of it but the idea of voting for someone to rule over us i think that idea of democracy i think that is just such a sham it's like a scam to get right it's it's like we're gonna make give you the illusion that you're choosing the society that you want to live under or live in um but at the same time it's one of the most corruptible ways uh or one of the most corrupt corruptible systems and it looks to only benefit the politicians uh in the end but it still is like it still works enough to give you that that illusion and that satisfaction that you're actually having to say yeah um i agree with that but i agree but but like you know that's the part of democracy where democracy owns the money supply and you know, because of owning the money supply and it's an elastic monetary supply, so we can expand it. We can now fund a growing federal government, which would not be capable under a Bitcoin standard with the separation of money and state. And so I look at it as, uh, you know, that's not really democracy. It's inherently a socialism. The community and the conglomerate um, decides what happens with markets, right? And you have this sort of manipulating force that is unnatural. Um, and whereas a free market needs to be completely un, you know, unfettered, right? Um, democracy isn't supposed to control money at all. And how does a democracy, you know, get structured? And we'll get to you, Shane, shortly. How does a democracy get structured under a Bitcoin standard where you do separate money and state? And to me, it's the, it's the idea and the understanding that there are values that are communicated that are not monetary, right? So, like, obviously, all monetary value is communicated through the markets. It's pricing and understanding, right? And there's no influence 
or minimal influence that a democracy should have on that. But I do also believe that, like, you know, there are different principles of how you can spend money in the community um, that that local communities should exercise, and you exercise that through some form of governments and cooperation and coordination. And you know, if 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 democracy and you know having these chambers of of debate can help guide how a truly free monetary asset like Bitcoin is going to be used by that community, um, then that's a beautiful thing. You know, and then there's also the idea of unique, unique local values and state values and how, you know, New York and Texas are distinctly different when you look at their unique values. But if you do look at their core values in the same way that we look at as American values, like there's a lot more similarities than we might think. And so if there is an outside perpetrator that is threatening our our commonly understood values, um, then democracy fits to be like instead of being able to fund war by printing money and um, then, you know, you're going to need something like a real democracy where people are, you know, where these different states are getting together um, from their elected leadership and saying like, yes, we do support going to war to defend our common values. Can I, can I just uh, ask you what, what, so what do you mean when you, when you say democracy, like what do you specifically mean? I'm curious. I think that there, I think, again, under a Bitcoin standard, I'm talking about holding elections, holding votes for politicians who uh, essentially have a lot less power than they do right now, but um, communicate certain values and local laws will be. And then also, you know, are act as diplomats, if you will, to other communities and other local governments and how they wish to coordinate on trade, um, which is also established through free markets as well, but on trade and on, um, you know, strategic force, right? Militaristic, like, uh, are we going to be military allies? You know, if somebody comes after you, we got your back. Like, that's important, right? Like, because that's going to be part of the game theory at play. What's up, Shane? Hey, I uh, just love all the conversation. Really amazing stuff. Just one comment I wanted to make, and I would be curious to hear your thoughts because you've obviously been thinking about this a lot as well. When I think about, and I'm driving, so I apologize. When I think about local economies, if you will, you know, like your example, thousand person, like little town or community, operating under a Bitcoin standard, I can see where the electrical power needs, you know, again, obviously can be through solar, wind, water, whatever. The thing that I struggle with thinking through what would be a challenge is the fossil fuel part that you might need, right? If you've got tractors, if you've got, you know, machines that, that build things, most of that, a lot of that still really well, let me address that real Can I just cut you off? I don't mean yeah. to be let me just address that real quick. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but gasification is something that is accessible to everyone. If you have basic mechanical skills and you have combustion engines, as well as steel um, and metal fabrication ability, you have gasification as long as you have bio and biomass. Well, no, it can come from wood, uh, but this is less less tech than ethanol. Even this is the most low tech solution, and this is why it's so powerful because it's everywhere. 
Um, there's wood everywhere. And if you don't have wood, you have biomass in some form. If you're eating, there's biomass that you're, that you're uh, accumulating in some fashion. And <clears throat> with certain low-tech solutions, you can store that energy in the form of like, pellets or something combustible. And then you don't have to worry about gas storage and all these other things that, that go along with that. Because usually, you know, if you're recycling food energy, you have to worry about methane gas. And then there's no... So while, while, I, while I agree with that, I think the one potential flaw in that, I would think that the wood is the last thing you would honestly want to use. Because if you're talking about a local economy, you're going to need that wood to be able to build homes and things. So I, I know that's just one way of doing it, but that would be my last resort. No, even if you're building homes with that Bro, I've worked in a lumber mill. There's a lot of uh, a lot of combustible material. There's a lot of energy. Uh, yeah. about it if you're uh, using that. Yeah. And what is a very renewable source? So, yeah, I mean, look, it's a, it's an interesting question. You know, like uh, I think from you know, generally speaking, I look at it as it is going to be imperative in this world moving forward that energy sources become as common and decentralized as possible. I don't necessarily disagree with the idea of sourcing oil and having major companies that provide this. I think an abundance of energy everywhere is to everybody's gain. So, you know, I get what you're saying. Like, it, let's say you're living off grid, but you still need gasoline and stuff like that. And I don't know to what effect this gasification process is is. You can um, run a truck on it, bro. And it's not just wood, it's hemp. It's any biomass. Like I said, you can make garbage. Like, basically, yeah. any food garbage, and you can grow a Zola, which is a what, sort of a floating process, bird. Though? Like, what's the energy input into it in order to get it to become fuel? Very little. It's very widely available, is my point. Like, if you exist on this earth, there's biomass around you. So, like, it's it's everywhere. I love it. I mean, I'd love to learn more about this and really dive into details of this because um you know i think it's an imperative thing um you know this is you know as far as other energy sources go as well like, you know again I, you're talking to somebody who does not hate the idea of a battery we all use batteries in our everyday life we use it for our cell phones uh we use it for i mean you name it batteries exist everywhere i don't think that there's anything wrong with having more batteries in the world do I think there's a, a pollution element that people are concerned with? Um, possibly, you know, like, uh, you know, do, where do we throw out batteries 30 years from now? I think that like as technology and innovation grow, um, we're going to find that that becomes something that people are going to turn into a business, right? Maybe there's, you know, by then it wouldn't cost anything to launch them into outer space. Maybe we break down the batteries and there's something useful we can use from the waste material there. Um, I believe in the innovation aspect of it. You know what I mean? But like ultimately, uh, you know, like we do have uh, electric vehicles. Um, there's it, there still shouldn't be anything wrong buy oil from some company somewhere else. Like, you know, if you really need to move your KYC, Bitcoin, your non-KYC Bitcoin, onto a decentralized exchange and be able to sell it for fiat. Um, great. But again, we're talking about a world where like fiat is dying and more people are moving into Bitcoin. What do you think that's going to do for the adoption rate? I mean, I don't see why 
to me, it's not far fetched or out of the realm of possibility that a major, major oil oil producer says, fuck OPEC, fuck, fuck the dollar. It's all going to zero and dying anyway. Let me sell all my oil in Bitcoin. Right. Like how like a Russian you? oil producer. Yeah. Russia, Saudi Arabia. What if they all just say, fuck you, I'm done with the dollar. Like how screwed is the United States? for not having like Bitcoin mining operations everywhere and not, you know, uh, you know, accepting, accepting the dollar as like a viable, like unfucked with monetary asset. Um, that's all it would take. And, and again, like every energy source that's available needs to be, uh, needs to be used and utilized. And we need to add as much energy to to the market as possible. What's up, old fashioned? Hey, boys. Hey, girls. I'm out having a few day martinis. Orange pill. Some people down here in the south. Uh, just went out on a uh, and met a fellow that is uh, run up about 1,500 megawatts here in beautiful town. I'm not going to mention it, uh, man. And and I think there's a lot of hash rate that's going to. And I think there's going to be a lot of. Uh, there's a lot of people that are that are getting in this game. The future is bright, and I think uh, this small time action is just. I see, I see the opportunity, and I, and there's, I'm raising money in this town with people who just can't wrap their head around it. This Once is you how, see energy everywhere. You're like, there's money everywhere. Oh my god, it's like it's like they they just can't understand yet. But when you see it, it's like when fucking Wizard of Oz comes in. You know, it's like, it's like, oh shit, like, this is it, man. Like, this is, this is where we're heading and this is that's how we're going to start the bullshit, I'm man. Quoting, quoting you on that one. That's it. Hey, cheers, boys. I'm, I'm, I'm about, uh, four old fashions deep for lunch. So let's get this. Started. How are they generating 1500 megawatts, man? That's a lot of power. Yeah. Um, it's in, uh, this industrial park area. Uh, shit, you know, industrial shit that isn't here anymore that all went to, and there's a lot of energy pumping in. Um, it's, uh, it's all coming from nuclear and hydroelectric for the most part. There's a little coal mixed in, but it's, uh, I think the play is it's reliable long-term, um, with the alternative sources, uh, as opposed to coal and, and oil. And, um, uh, man, he, he, it's quite an operation going on. I love it. It's going to do wonders for the local economy down there. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't think people realize it. I'm, tr I'm trying. I grew up here, so I'm trying to politics. And that uh, you know, I went to high school with their daughter. Them to understand that if they reward Bitcoin mining here with the electricity, if they if they can reward people, they're trying to raise money right now for a new uh, football stadium and facilities for this. Uh, uh, Division One College is brand new, and um, they don't know how they're going to do it. So I'm about to try to give them some orange medicine and tell them how it can be done, uh, or at least take a gamble to try to make it get done uh, a little quicker. There's a university here. Maybe we can uh, maybe we can work something out and get some mining. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, what a what a great conversation today. I mean, I. I really hope people start embracing this idea. Like, you know, people think about spending Bitcoin and whatnot, but it's like, how do you capitalize businesses? And 
you know, not too many people want to lend their money away, lend their Bitcoin away. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, so you look at like uh, El Zante Capital, you know, Kai, Max Geyser's new new investment firm. You know, they're going to capitalize businesses by investing Bitcoin. They're not lending it out. And, um, you know, so if, again, if, if, if there are some developers out there who have some really talented skill sets and they can build a layer, a completely decentralized layer on lightning, essentially, that allows for businesses to chop up their, their business into shares and shares of equity. And, you know, uh, the whole idea of this business is that you're going to be like a lightning business, like all Bitcoin, um, you know, like there's and generate dividends that way. Um, that's the orange pilling session right there for some small town. That's, that's how you get them rocking and rolling. That's how you, you know, get the money moving productivity climbs. You know, we were discussing earlier, you know, about like, you know, selling products, goods and services abroad. Now that you have this like productive economy, like absolutely for sure. You know, and like one of the other aspects of it is you're, you know, you're going to have people that are going to want to live there, move there, work for new businesses um, in some capacity because there'll still be jobs like intellectual jobs. Right. Um, and, you know, demand for, for real estate will that when people move there, they'll be bringing their wealth with them. They'll be bringing their Bitcoin with them. And so like, it's just, it's like a huge game that's like super powerful for this local community. You know, think about the other aspect of it is like, if you are circulating this money like this and you do become this pro productive, then ultimately, um, you know, the deflationary impact of technological innovation is going to drive prices down for common goods there so people who are looking to move out of like a more depressed economy and have some bitcoin are going to be like oh my bitcoin is going to go further over here in this community than it will over there in that community and that's going to draw more people in um so it's just like again it's just like a proof of work model that's just going to succeed you know and then like what happens to schooling and stuff when you have you know, uh, basically a massive economy where um, there's very few jobs that are labor driven. Well, those labor driven jobs are going since they're few and most people have already established a portfolio that's generating them income in Bitcoin. You know, you're going to see those jobs probably go to younger, uh, you know, younger people, the younger demographic who haven't established their portfolio yet. And they're going to learn from their parents who have been through the, you know, skin in the game, fast forward 20 years, whatever. It's like, listen, don't blow your money on bullshit, like fucking gear to make yourself look fly, like invest your money into more local businesses um, and build your portfolio. This is your social security moving forward. And while you're going like, to yeah, if you want to flex, it's like how much liquidity are, are you moving? Like that's your flex. <laughs> yeah, essentially. And it's like, you'll be able to like work, pay for college because college won't be priced out of reach through like endless fiat loans, right? You'll be able to do that. You'll be able to like pay for your rent 
Um, it, hopefully you're probably still living with your parents to a certain extent and saving that money. Um, and then also be able to, to build investments probably since you were two, three, four, five years old, your parents put, you know, built your investment portfolio and tied it to you. Um, and so by the time you like get through college, you know, you have, you know, you're educated in doing something that's actually applicable. You're probably either going to be an entrepreneur or a highly educated, worthwhile part of the labor force. You're going to generate a much larger part of your income from your investment portfolio and onward and upward. No arguments to be had when businesses automate and innovate and the, the world benefits from deflation. Um, it's, it's a beautiful model. It should be, it should be something that's discussed more often. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of upsets me that it's not, you know, I hear a lot of people say, well, why do you want local businesses to be speculated on? Well, you tell me how much speculation, you know, a city of 20,000 investing in local businesses is going to drive bubbles in their local economy. They're not. You know, it's not, it's not some global, you know, uh, butcher shop bubble, bro. That butcher shop bubble. Hey, hey, think about it this way, guys. Like, think about it this way. You want to invest in your community, fucking lead them to the promise. And they're competing with other communities. They don't know how to raise the money. Well, if you give them a, a promise and it's not, a, give them a 70, 80% chance proven history and that they might can raise more money than I think they're capable of by by maybe looking in this direction i mean this can be this can be boots on ground growth that that you haven't seen you're getting local so politicians involved that's your that's your track record it's like well how much how much liquidity are you moving like what is your how much commerce are you enacting right right i mean you want to draw people to you want to get people in in a dying town and you have some electricity that's just well this is the answer man this is the the stopgap this is what gives people hope yeah for sure yeah i mean you might have joined the conversation a little session but we're talking you know as we transition to like bitcoin a bitcoin economy hyper bitcoinization um what are the what are going to be some of the market impacts of uh, a losing all price discovery because we're changing a pricing unit, changing to a new pricing unit, and B, um, what would be a very hyper deflationary event because the new pricing unit um, is only growing in demand and growing in value and quite rapidly. And so, in this environment, you would see um, a lot of people not wanting to spend their money except for like necessities essentially they're going to be holding on to coin as hard as possible and you're going to see a lot of reduct a drastic reduction in economic productivity and under in this market you're going to see um you know lending basically dry up and not be something that's viable why would somebody want to lend bitcoin out um when they a don't know you know the economy is not productive and you know the chances of me getting that bitcoin back go down and just by holding that bitcoin it's actually going to be worth more in the future um you're going to see uh 
during this deflationary event that there's not going to be a lot of liquidity in the market. And therefore, what you're, you know, you're seeing people who have um, not a large amount of Bitcoin alone. And so that, that just fundamentally means much higher interest rates. You would need the economy to get to a point where it starts to actually produce some price identity, price discovery, uh, before you actually see, like before people can make economic decisions about how much money they have available to lend out compared to the economy that it's paying for. And once you finally get there, then you'll see interest rates go down. But in the meantime, who knows how fast it's going to happen with productivity dropping and you wanting goods and services from your economy to make your life better. Nobody wants to live in a world where everything's abandoned and nothing is being produced. You're going to want to do something with your money. You're going to want to do something with your Bitcoin. And since you can't lend it and you're in demand for goods and services, then the best opportunity for communities the world over to sustain this volatile um, period is to establish a main street stock exchange, local exchanges where businesses can crowdfund from their local community in exchange for equity so that when profits are generated, those profits are distributed to all equitable shareholders um, in the form of dividends, which generates monetary velocity. It means income is being made for those investors. And as that income is being made, it raises their willingness to spend their money. And then that's a system that avoids uh, you know, the impacts of having debt in the economy. And as the productivity continues to climb, and as you have more and more residents that are investors and owners of businesses, rather than the majority of them being part of the labor force, then what you'll have is the majority of people making their money from investments rather, from, rather than from wages. And so you won't have to deal with like the, I don't get paid enough kind of problem that exists today when people are trying to keep up with inflation. Rather, you would have the overwhelming majority of your community embracing technological innovation and automation, cutting out labor and cost in order to generate higher profits and higher returns while simultaneously charging less for the goods and services they're offering. It is like the economic model that I'm hoping the world, you know, falls into naturally, but also embraces. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's the perfect world. You know, so like that's what this whole conversation was about, old fashioned. Um, not necessarily about where we are currently and, and orange pilling people, but how do you orange pill circular economies? Um, yeah, yeah the cheers. Really I, powerful of a tool as you use it for, right? Like it, it is just a tool, and uh, there's a lot of disconnect. I feel like as to what Bitcoin and the the purpose of it is, is people are just like, oh, number go up, and that's awesome, and they and they're like, well. Then I just put this back into this fiat economy on these fiat rails, and then it's like it's so much. It's so much more than that, you know. Yeah, the unit of account is going to take. I think about how people. There's levels, you know, and we're all at, can't even wrap their head around. 
different money. So we're it, this is going to be gradually, suddenly, you know, deal. But at the same time, I think the gradually part, the unit of account will be so gradual because it's going to take more nodes that their unit of account was fucked up. It was wrong. And, and, and what this is, is going to be a true unit of account for global cooperation and global agreement that, hey, man, you're not going to just produce more of these on a whim, on a political whim. It doesn't matter how you feel. I, I agree. I, I'm in with everything. With all my old fashions, uh, I'm drinking and, and an apple in, in my hometown. had uh, lunch with a beautiful lady. And uh, I'm, I'm, it was my wife, though, so I'm not in trouble. But, uh, yeah, I, I sent her to the house and meet with some buddies here in a few. But I've enjoyed uh, listening. Man, anytime we keep the conversation going is a good time. Because right now, people losing their livelihoods in Ukraine. Uh, my history with military, I've just seen places where people need the ability to store value. And they need the ability to get the fuck out of Dodge with their value sometimes when it's time. And, and I think the world is starting to recognize this with Canada, with Ukraine, with, uh, with everything, uh, the, with, with Russia being financial. This holds no bounds. Bitcoin is the most saleable money ever invented in human history, and it will not stop. And uh, I, 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 it's entertaining to watch people challenge that. Cheers, boys. I'm going to drink a few more and listen. Love it. Thanks yeah. for your contribution, man. That's awesome. Yeah, 100%. Yo, Tao, I sent you an invite because I'd love to hear your technical side about possibly building a platform like this and like what are some of the challenges? Is it possible? So if you do have a chance to speak, please come up. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's all about communication and cooperation, uh, the consensus structure that society needs. It's like people need to perceive the value, right? What he would fashion is just saying is it's going to take time for people to realize that that's a unit of account not just a store of value but the, the way to make them see that is is like what what's the value in it in it for them you know in in using it as a unit of account as well as you know just a store of value yeah um <laughs> i mean it's we're in an interest because you know like Ultimately, the best thing anybody, everybody can do is just buy Bitcoin and hold it and then see what, see what the uh, speculative attack does against the dollar, right? Um, but like, and that's, the, and, and I say this to people all the time, I say like, if you save Bitcoin, you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of your family. If you spend Bitcoin and you spend it in a way that's like, as I've been describing locally, and you get your local communities involved with Bitcoin and, and established and on a Bitcoin standard um, and being able to drive their, their productivity on Bitcoin, um, then you're, you're saving a community you're, you're, you're while also like helping yourself. And, um, you know, that comes with implications right now, as we've seen, you know, like if you use your Bitcoin, to fund certain things, there's a lot of options. And, you know, I'm sure the overwhelming majority of Bitcoin out there is probably KYC. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm just speculating. But, um, you know, it's like there are so there are certain restrictions. 
And, you know, if you are relying on people that own Bitcoin is KYC, I wouldn't say the majority of Bitcoin is KYC. Yeah, I would say you're probably right. Um, yeah. And so, like, uh, it's, it's an interesting challenge. It's like, all right, capital gains taxes makes you not want to spend your coin. Um, you know, like, now I have to report who I sent my coin to. Um, otherwise I could face like fines most likely is like something that they probably, I'm not really too familiar with the laws, but I would assume that's like a level of enforcement that they're going to want so that they can get as much information as they can out of the blockchain. Um, and it's just like, you know, when you really are looking for your sovereignty, it's, it's the incentive is to hold on to your coin. Um, and I'm sure it's the smartest thing to do right now, but uh, it's a shame, and I would love for for you know co- small tight knit communities to recognize the potential um, of how they can really flip the script and protect what they really want to protect, which is the values that brought them to that community. And um, you know, doing that through non KYC Bitcoin energy independence um, and you know diversified equity, uh, you know, business capitalization uh, is the way to do that. What's up, Anthony? Thanks for uh, joining. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's about getting the community involved and uh, in, in that interface. How's it going, uh, Sir Club, Anthony? I don't know if you guys meant to talk or not. I have the setting to everyone can join, so. Yeah, either of you have anything to share or add? Uh, not particularly. I was going to make a comment about uh-huh. weaponized greed being, you know, force for adoption, but you're you're nailing it. Okay. What about you, Anthony? Well, oh, no, nothing at the moment. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's funny. Weaponized greed. That's that's exactly what Bitcoin is. It's it's a paradox. Weaponized greed. Weaponized against dishonesty. I don't. You know, it's funny. Like I don't really. I certainly don't feel greedy as a Bitcoiner. Um, I don't know if that's what you were sort. Of, but it's just that greed. Greed incentivizes truth in the Bitcoin paradox, which is. It's just. It's just never existed before. Honestly, and if you're a Bitcoiner and you, and and you, that's the beautiful thing. It's it's like, it's like the one thing you know you can trust. You can fucking trust Bitcoin's rules. Those goalposts aren't fucking moving, and and it's fucking gorgeous. Platt, what did you? Uh, yeah, go for it. The the first thing I understood about Bitcoin and the reason I took my first little speculative bite was because it was either worth nothing or a lot more than that current price. It was greed that got me in, right? I want my money to be worth more later. Um, and I think, honestly, that's most people, at least that I talk to, that's the same thing for them. I mean, I love to say that I stay for the future and all that's true, of course, but that's just a bonus for a lot of people that you can, quote unquote, you know, maybe make the world a little bit better of a place. Um, I, I think it's, I think, you know, the biggest use case for a lot of people, at least the ones that are lurkers on, um, or the first reason they find it is because there's money to be made. There's profit. There's something there that they have to understand, you know, to go deeper than that. But I think that's where a lot of people start. 
yeah, the number go up technology is what brings people in. You know, they come for the they come for the gains and then they stay for the like deep philosophical shift in understanding of the world, right? It's like you go into Bitcoin, you never come out the same. If you if you actually spend the time trying to understand what this thing is, you realize like you'll never actually understand it. It's like this it, it's uh a phenomenon of nature, you know? It's like studying gravity or something. I'll tell you what, I, I feel blessed just my I, I I went in the Navy at twenty six dumbass. I had done the drugs and, and fucked up. I had uh worked at the beach at a restaurant and, and chased the tail for a long time. I fucked around. And then I found myself uh I was a mortgage broker and I was like, this is awful. Like what in the fuck like I don't want to sit in this fucking cubicle and like give people money they don't deserve. A they're probably not gonna be able to pay it off. And B, this is like you can see the crap coming. And uh and man, I went in the navy and, and, and it, it hardened it uh you know, you can say what you want about it. it is what it is. It's not for everybody, but if you want to challenge your 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 soul and your heart and, and understand what you stand for, sometimes you have to look into it and um and and trying to do that as best as I could, I did. And, and, but luckily, I was in. I was directed into a a direction of. Um, uh, I was a CTR in the Navy. That's uh, cryptologic technician uh, collection. I, I can't. Uh, I won't get into much more. But you can look it up. It's an open rate. Uh, it's a job. It's enlisted. You know, I didn't graduate from uh, college because I was uh, too big into the booking and gambling. And I've always been a gambler. But man, I found Bitcoin. And after understanding what I do about uh, encryption, I, I was more of a signals type of person uh, is with what I dealt with. Uh, I went through SEER school. I went through air crew school. I did some shit. I went all over this. And I tried. I wanted to try to fight evil as best I could. I didn't understand the system at the time. Nowadays, uh, boy, I, do I see it clearly. And yes, there is evil, but there's also misunderstandings. And there's also uh, a lot of garbage going on and people who are making money off of off of good people dying over over their their chess game. So Bitcoin gives us hope as a global force. It gives us hope to store value regardless of what these fucking tyrants want us to do. I've been sitting to the fray. Do you think they give a shit about us? They really don't. A lot of them don't, and they want to say they do, and they're going to talk like they do, and they want to act like they do, but they won't send their kids there, a lot of them, and a lot of them won't stand up for us to this day, and, and Bitcoin does. Bitcoin stands up for everybody. It gives everyone hope that the goalposts won't change, that the government's not going to change and, and take their wealth. Their whole livelihood's not going to be taken because a foreign power comes in, and it's just, it's, Bitcoin is like becoming the Mongols. You, you try to attack them, but there's nowhere to attack. You attack a shadow. You attack, a, you attack something that, that evades it and surrounds it. It is an amoeba. You, it, it forms. It, it's going to form humanity into the best form we could imagine. But we have to beat the surveillance system to the winning line. We, we have to win that game. And the decentralized networks need to govern us. And we need to govern ourselves by a set rule, not rules these dumbasses who don't even know what a computer is are setting for. And that's that's my soapbox. And all right, I'm going to have another. I'll hop back up a little bit. Cheers to y'all. I just love this conversation. Hey, old fashioned before you jump off. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you. The, the, the virtue signaling for Ukraine is, is sickening. But going back to your 
you always being a gambler. Um, I, I personally got wrecked in the fucking 2018 crash. Um, how did you, did you get it right away or did you, did you go with full shit coinery and, and, and get wrecked as well? Well, I'll tell you what, bro. I, I, I used to sit watches from 5.30 p.m. till 5 and sit in assholes and trying to direct the ship in a, a noble direction and a valid direction. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to get too deep into that, but man, I, and wheels but um but there was some shit that needed to be handled and, and i believe we did i came off of a shift at 5 30 in the morning and i had watched a joe rogan podcast with uh with with the man himself at antonopolis uh i did that when i got home i i tell my kids don't go to school and tell your teacher that your daddy's drinking whiskey at six but daddy's had a night and this is my this is my evening and uh and that's what i would do but I, I listened to him and then i thought and then I, I went and read the white paper and then my whole fucking world just blew up like i i understand encryption and i understand i understand that the decentralization of hardware and and making that such a vital vein of this growth and making it uh decentralized where you cannot you know, force attack this thing into non-existence. And we have reached the Rubicon. We crossed and I couldn't believe it that I, that I found it. I couldn't believe that it existed. I couldn't believe that the Byzantine generals problem was solved. And holy shit, man. I told my wife, I said, honey, uh, I found something and I got to find out what's wrong with it. And you're going to have to deal with this for just a little bit because I'm going to have to, uh, it's going to take so, a while. And I stayed up for three fucking days, just soaking up everything and reading. And I, it blew my mind. And I told her, I, we're going to be moving. And it, so we fucking shifted. I went and told my extended family. I went on Facebook and put videos out and people thought I was nuts and was telling me I was crazy. And I was like, look, this is something, the toothpaste is out of the tube. It's not going back in. And I know it. And, and I know what this means for humanity. And I, this means for government control because I have worked in the veins of this soup sandwich. And it, uh, we're losing control because information's decentralized. There's so many different networks. There's so many different encryption um, networks trying to give us security. And we're balancing security and convenience. And we've given up so much security because of convenience. I hope the tide is turning towards we start gaining more security and let's start learning to deal with that and, and gain security. Give up convenience and fucking learn. I think our children can learn. I think the, the old guard is dying out and, and our, the new world is here with computers and cell phones in their pockets and supercomputers. And they're not going to they're not going to go back. It's time to go forward, but we got to teach our populace how to do it. We got to teach our kids how to do math. We got to teach our kids how to code. And because let me tell you something, China produces a hundred engineers for every one we do a hundred. That is not sustainable. Uh, but then again, I tell you what, if we build networks, nobody can fuck with. It just may be. Cheers. I love it, man. I mean, what a perfect time to discover Bitcoin. I mean, 
I feel like if I found it five years ago and I heard about it, like probably in like 2012 for the first time. And I just immediately wrote it off. I was like, yeah, money on the internet. I'm sure that's not a complete scam. Um, yeah, bro, my roommate was mining it in 2011 on his, on his, on his laptop and like selling it for like a few cents or whatever it was worth. And he was like talking about how he was making a few cents off. And I was like, Oh, that's hilarious. He's like, yeah, maybe I'll keep some of it. Maybe it'll worth, worth something one day. We were just kind of like joking about it. Like no one like took it at all seriously. It was just like this hilarious thing where you can make some money off your CPU. Also, if y'all remember, I'll I tell you. Fuck it, college game day. The school I went to, I, I was in a fraternity. I got hazed, did all that fun stuff down there, man. We were wild. It was back in the day. I'm an old fuck. I'm a salty asshole. But, uh, but seeing this kid put up a, a QR code and go, mom, send money at college game day. And I was like, what in the hell is that? And I was like, what? that's not money. It's like, what is he talking about? But then you realize that kid got sent like fucking thousands of Bitcoin back in the day. Uh, who knows if he sold? I don't know. But thinking back on that and then discovering it. Holy shit. That guy like today will it, it is has ungodly fortunes. And that's still happening. People are still I'm talking to miners who are like, nah, man, I'm just selling. Like, yeah, that's fine, but man, stack some sats, motherfucker. Like, this is the point is not to sell it. So many is lost because, like, people nope. just didn't know what they were at they had or or anything from back in the day. Like, how many people did that in novelty and then just whatever lost that shit? Of course. Yeah, everybody made mistakes, but I see them making the same mistakes. The price is too high or something. Like, the, the same mistakes will be made by at scale by government. And it's so funny to watch it scale up and those mistakes be recognized and then them like be like, I, I'm not making a mistake again. And, and they're going to hang on to more sats. We're going to get more circular. That's what we got to do. We got to get circular. You got to love those stories because you look at that kid. And I think I remember that when you're talking about. You know, the other one that came to mind for me was that Janet Yellen uh, testament on, on uh, Capitol Hill. But there's a guy behind it with a buy Bitcoin sign. But you look at that kid and put the QR code up and you think about how he might have a thousand Bitcoin sitting around from it. And you're like, fuck that guy. What does he know that I don't know? You know, and you got to check <laughs> and go, wait, I am a fucking idiot. I was programmed with a bunch of this Keynesian bullshit economics. You know, I paid top dollar for what I thought was a decent degree, but they didn't teach me shit. And you, you have to check yourself at the door and, and know that, you know, the ego is just going to get in the way of me figuring this thing out. Yeah, I'll tell you the, the, I went to school and then like I uh, I was booking for Old Row. I I can't even explain to you. We went undefeated until to figure out where I went. We had a damn blast, man. We fuck. I did not focus on my business school, but partly I recognized it's because I knew bullshit from the jump. Like I got in there listening to these assholes talking about debt and financing people and marketing and fooling people and like it seemed like garbage and I, I think hopefully humanity is getting to the point where we recognize this is garbage what is valuable like what are we doing like what how can we truly capture our energy here how do we how do we capture our hours of work where we know that no biden is gonna like piss our money into the wind and devalue our money how do we save 
this is how, man. This is how we the 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 cool kids saving Bitcoin, and and that's how it's gonna be. And people, the the kids that recognize it last are not the cool kids, and they're gonna be at a because this is the real deal. This is a network you can't stop. It's a network that it doesn't care, and it's open all day every day. And no communists are gonna stop it, and we're not gonna stop it. We need to adopt it. I just fear that we're not adopting it fast enough. Bro, it's gonna balkanize, man. Like you're, you're, you're still thinking about like then all these things like existing in the same structure that they do. But all that can happen, like all that can shift so fast, man. It can, it can literally change so fucking quickly. I think that like tight communities and like building from the ground up, and then that's really the future. Because anyone that can sustain themselves and be dependent on energy and food is going to be able to withstand whatever's coming in a better way than 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 groups of people that are not right so whatever's left standing at the end of all that shit and the end of hyper bitcoinization it won't look at all like what it looks like right now the coolest shit is that el salvador means and i think them moving first i think it's going to be fucking insane when of production and freedom and success because they they got in so early isn't that, isn't that weird, bro? That's like one of those weird synchronicities that like you can't explain. Like, it's called the savior and been called the savior for a while. And then it just comes through and like is the shining light for the world. It's so weird. You know, the other thing they're going to have a huge head start on is not just the acquisition of Bitcoin, not just the infrastructure. It's the political understanding that's going to come around with running an economy on Bitcoin. Um, it's going to be wild. Uh, and you know, I mean, forget about it. I can't wait to hear, you know, fucking Steve Hankey talk about why El Salvador made the dumbest decision of their life in two years when Bitcoin is like 10 X from where it is now. It's like, I wonder if he's going to shut up then, you know, Oh, but you'll never get a wall. Yeah. Bitcoin's going to zero. The dollar's going to zero. Yeah. Do not let these hanky types, these Francis Coppola's, uh, you know, I made it a, a goal to, to harass Nouriel Rabini for being so damn wrong. Like, you're an economist, you're and that's been around five, six, eight, ten years. Like, don't let them get away with that and keep trying to yeah. advise people on their wealth in the 2030s, you know? The price of Bitcoin always was and always will be infinity divided by 21 million. Like, there's no other true price. The rest of it is all just like, it, all it is is just signaling what other people think about it at any given time in, in parallel to our fiat system. But like for those of us that know, it's always been the same price. Yeah. I mean, like when I get, when I get normies that are like curious, right? Bitcoin curious. They're like, well, I'll, I want to get in at a low price. I feel like I'm not. And I, I just tell them, I'm like, as long as they're dollar denominated price of Bitcoin, you're still early. Yo! <laughs> like yeah. until, until there is no dollar price on Bitcoin, <laughs> like you should be buying. Yeah, but, go to infinity. Yeah, exactly. When your unit exactly of account right. shifts, that's when. Like that's when. Um, the thing that I try to stress to people that like I still true to them, you know, it's time in the market, not trying to time the market. You know, you missed the best 10, 20, 30 days of the last decade of Bitcoin. And it doesn't even look good anymore as far as, you know, what your price appreciation would be if you miss those days. And the same is true now. You know, if you're sitting on the sidelines of zero, 
we could wake up tomorrow and the Soviet Union just dissolved, right? We could wake up tomorrow and Bitcoin could do one major giant fucking rip for all any of us idiots know. So if you're sitting around on zero, you're just gambling that it isn't going to make that rip without you, you know, from zero towards infinity. I'm telling you, if Putin is just like, all right, I'm only selling oil in Bitcoin, I had forget about it. I mean, you're going to see Bitcoin. Sell it. That's the cool shit. Yeah. You're going to see Bitcoin at like 100, 150 a barrel. And I mean, um, 150,000 in Bitcoin in a matter of moments. Like, that's how fast it'll happen. What's up, Lucy? Welcome to the stage. Yeah, I don't think Lucy's real, bro. <laughs> but yeah, you guys want to you guys want to wrap this? That was a pretty good. Uh, no, that was Lucy a pretty good. Uh, pretty good man. <laughs> yeah, I no, like, yeah. Let's, like let's wrap it. I, I think it was a great, uh, you know, today. Um, this was super awesome. We should do more of this for. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, I'm gonna be hosting the Sats Radio. Episode. Um, as much as I possibly can. Any plebs that want to just kind of have like a one-on-one, we'll do like a rift, explore a topic, and then open up the room. Um, <clears throat> just like you can sign up on Calendly link, just it's on sadsradio.com. And uh, yeah, we'll see what the conversation brings. It's pretty cool. Dope, man. Dope. Thanks for joining today, bro. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, cheers, guys. Everybody can. Cheers. Have a good one.